So today we're honoring the auspicious appearance day of Om Vishnupad, Srila Bhakti Rakshak, Sridadev, Goswami Maharaj, our Shikshaguru, the beloved associate and dear friend of Shilayasi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada and the prominent and world-renowned disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada. Before our discussion, we recited prayers constituting a Mangala Charna from Shikirtan Manjusha, which was published in honor of Srila Bhakti Rakshak Siddhadeva Goswami Maharaj in 1986 by the Gaudiya Vaishnav Society under my inspiration. This was the first thing that we published when we formed, under the inspiration of Srila Siddhartha Marsh, the Gaudiya Vaishnav Society, which is the corporate name for our organization, more commonly known as Audarya, relative to our humble abode here, from which all of our limited, though they may be, insights and realizations about the importance of our Guru Parampara and in particular, the contributions of Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada and Srila Bhakti Rakshak Siddhartha Goswami Maharaj are emanating throughout the world at this time from this humble place. Until so we published this Kirtan Manjusha many years ago, it means treasure chest of divine kirtans. And other than the Mangala Charan, which we chant, that has some standard prayers, for the most part, even for that matter, within the Mangala Charan, as some of you may have noticed, they, uh, the book consists of original compositions, Sanskrit compositions of Srila Bhakti Rakshakshita Deva Goswami Maharaj, the pranams for Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, actually the pranams for Prabhupada, Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada as well. The Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, had of course, uh, Pranam Mantra, two Pranam Mantras that his disciples chanted for him, but there was some Sanskrit irregularity in the second one. Namaste, Sarasati, Deve or Devam, however you say it, there's some irregularity. And Prabhupada was uh, aware of it, and but nonetheless his disciples chanted it, and their heartfelt regard for him and glorification from him, of course, came through. And like many things in his movement, he didn't have time to deal with the details of adjusting that. And because it was his own pranam also, and I'm not sure exactly where it came from, actually, now that I think about it. So it's always a little uncomfortable to write your own pranam mantra. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward. So uh, he had asked that Shripad Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj asked Sridhar Maharaj to compose a pranam mantra that would be appropriate for him. Srila Prabhupada had a great regard for Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And his regard shows up in many ways, but in one way was that he would often in approaching Sridhar Maharaj approach him through Govinda Maharaj who was uh, his secretary and manager of his mouth and his principal disciple and the chosen successor 
from very early on, in the time of, uh, that he joined the mission, he was the chosen successor for his moth, Chitra Marsh's moth. So, for example, Prabhupada wrote to Govinda Maharaj when he was in America, and he, for the first uh, time that he came over, and he had become ill and suffered a heart attack, and he thought that he might not uh, live much longer. So he asked Govinda Maharaj to ask Sridhar Maharaj what was his opinion. He didn't write directly to Sridhar Maharaj on that occasion. Should he come back and leave the world in Vrindavan, or should he stay and preach because he was having some success? And Sridhar Maharaj gave the opinion that wherever you are, that's Vrindavan doing your preaching. You found your home there, your field there, and you're getting success through our Guru Maharaj. You should stay there and preach. And of course he did. And with regard to the pranam mantra, he also approached Govinda Maharaj and asked, of course Prabhupada had an affectionate relationship with Govinda Maharaj. He was uh, just a young lad of 17 or 18 when he joined Sridhar Maharaj. And Sridhar Maharaj and Prabhupada were intimate at that time. Prabhupada gave Sridhar Maharaj a place in his house in Calcutta for six years. They lived together after the departure of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur. And Prabhupada sometimes used to give uh, lectures. And because he was white-clad as a grihasta, and Govinda Maharaj was a brahmachari, and Sridhar Maharaj was traveling, preaching, something like that, Prabhupada would arrange a program, organize a program, and he would have Govinda Maharaj sit on the seat as a brahmachari, renunciate, and they would do kirtan, and people would assemble, and then Prabhupada would give the class. <laughs> but he'd attract them, but because he had to renunciate there, because they wouldn't take seriously a white-clad person. Prabhupada was very expert and tricky in his preaching. He did what was necessary to get people to listen. So, anyway, he had an affectionate relationship with Govinda Maharaj, and he approached him to ask him to compile a pranam mantra, to adjust his pranam mantra, and that would, of course, mean under the supervision of Srila Siddharmarsh, who was expert in Sanskrit composition from early on in his life. And so the Pranam Mantra we chanted was uh, authored by Govinda Marsh and then overseen and edited, checked by Srila Siddharmarsh. So it is the Pranam Mantra that we will put. There's three or four of them there together. That we'll uh, Nicely describing Prabhupada's mission, glorifying him, his contribution. We'll put that on a Samadhi Mandir that particular pranam for Srila Prabhupada. So that mantra and most of the others there for Pranam Swar, Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur, and Gokshiras Babaji, Maharaj, Jagannath Babaji, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, they're all composed by Sridhar Marsh. And then there are a couple of, of course, standard prayers to Mahaprabhu, Panchatattva, Vaishnava, Vrinda, and so forth. But other than those just few in the Mangalachan, everything else in this book is uh, an original Sanskrit composition of Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And as I mentioned, he was very expert in Sanskrit composition. A great and renowned Akinchin Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj very much appreciated his Sanskrit compositions and would chant them regularly and likened them to the writings of Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada himself, who is, the, in one sense, the founder of our Sampradaya, the Samstapakacharya, if you want to use the term that's been out and about these days. So this was a small, uh, limited 
edition and published by our Society in Glorification of Srila Sridhar Marsh at the time of its formation. So we are tied very much to his teachings and to and dependent very much upon his Kripa, his mercy. And of course we came in touch with Srila Sridhar Marsh in the very latter part of his life. Sridhar Marsh lived till the ripe age of 93. And we came in touch with him in his 80s. I don't remember exactly when. But um, we saw him, that means to say, in the very latter part of his life, the Paramhamsa phase, in terms of its being fully manifest, at least. And it was a very, of course, important part of his life where he made a major contribution to the world community of Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and particularly to the disciples of Shilesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who were at their hour of greatest need, their Guru Maharaj, having departed from the world and leaving behind such a big mission and so much responsibility. And we were all quite, quite young. I was about 28, 29 years old when Prabhupada left. You don't know too much when you're 28 or 29 about anything. Starting to know something about life, at least in the Western culture, adolescence goes till about 30. So we were, in many respects, in great need. And so he answered the necessity. He appeared like the uh, moon after the setting of the sun of Srila Prabhupada. And that's what we see here on the cover of Kirtan Manjusha. Of course, this is taken from uh, original verse of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Here we have the sun rising and the full moon at the same time. A little bit of trick photography. <laughs> but uh, Kaviraj Goswami composed a prayer in Pranam to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his Namaskar, verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He said, Bande si Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Saho Odito Vodarai Pushpabanto Chitro Sandotamanoso he compares the Gaur Nityananda's campaign to the rising, simultaneous rising of the sun and the moon, rising at the same time. So it's taken from that, but it's applied more directly to the sun of Srila Prabhupada that lit up the whole world with Krishna consciousness very brightly. And after his setting on the Vaishnav horizon, which means leaving here, appearing somewhere else, Vaishnav's Reasons he reasons ill who thinks that Vaishnavas die while living still in sound. So, passing from our vision and the dark night of separation came to surround us. And in that dark night, the soothing rays of the full moon of Bhaktivedakshaksidharadeva Goswami Maharaj appeared. And very appropriately, the analogy of, of the moon and sun in relation to Sridhar Maharaj and Prabhupada, respectively, because, as I say, the campaign of Prabhupada was very bright and very wide spreading. And the campaign of Srila Sridhar Maharaj was very soothing and cooling for those of us suffering from the pains of separation from Srila Prabhupada. And very, his light was indirect. Prabhupada was very much out in the front and direct, and Sridhar Maharaj was very indirect. Prabhupada pushed himself forward to canvas to all of us. He said, I came to your country, speaking about the United States, as an aggressor. 
And Judah Marsh didn't have an aggressive bone in his body. He was very much, as he called himself, a backward-pushing man, wanting to stay out of the limelight. Of course, Prabhupada put himself in the limelight, and it was an aggressor in a very positive sense. Radharani may also put herself forward aggressively, but only because she knows she can best serve Krishna in that circumstance. So there's a serving ego behind that. Vasudhara Marsh had a different type of disposition, backward-pushing person, he called himself. But nonetheless, I said to him once in the first Vyasa Puja offering that I wrote to him that like Srivastakur standing on the balcony with Mahaprabhu in, in Nabadvipa when he returned to Nadia from Puri after such a long time and had, now had taken sannyas and so forth, he was standing on the balcony and thousands and thousands and millions of people came and they were chanting Jai Gaur Chandra, Jai Gaur Chandra. Golden Moon, Jai Golden Moon, Victory to Golden Moon. And Mahaprabhu turned to Shivastaka and said, what are, they, what are they saying? And Shivastaka said, it is as if the sun has risen and now tries to hide himself. Go back out there. Pushed him back out of the balcony. Accept it. You are what you are. <laughs> and they know it. <laughs> so I gave that analogy that you've pushed yourself, you call yourself a backward-pushing man, but you've pushed yourself so far in the background and you've come out in the front in the full view of everyone. It's like if you walk off stage backwards and you keep walking backwards, next thing you know, you're coming out backwards with your back to the audience. So like that, we want to turn you around and showcase you to the whole world, as Srila Prabhupada wanted to do as well. Both Srila Prabhupada's Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and our Srila Prabhupada, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, wanted to showcase Srila Mars to the whole world. It was Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur that envisioned a mission that would fulfill the ambitions of Thakur Bhakti Vinod. To see Gaudi Vaishnavism go to every town and village. This was the statement of Mahaprabhu about himself and his mission. And it was the vision of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and practical vision, spiritual vision, the practical vision. This would manifest and he made strides to see that happen. And the major stride that he took was instructing his son and disciple Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur in this regard. And he took it to heart and formed a mission, Gaudiya Math, with the express purpose of systematically, in an organized way, disseminating Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Therefore, the monks, the sannyasis, sannyasa ashram was established for preaching purposes and so forth. And he wanted to send them to the West, to London, to England, the capital of the world, so to speak. At that time, it was still such that the sun never set on the English Empire into London. And who was chosen to go? He was the chosen one. Who felt that his movement was successful because Sridhar Maharaj was in it. After he heard the composition of Srila Sridhar Maharaj and glorification of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, he said, he has not written this. Thakur Bhakti Vinod himself has written this. It so accurately captures the spirit of Thakur Bhakti Vinod. He said, I'm satisfied that at least one amongst us has understood what I'm talking about. And that Bhakti Goswami Maharaj. He said such things and he chose him first to go to the West, to go to London. So he wanted to showcase him to the world. Of course, Sridhar Maharaj said, I don't think I'm in his backward pushing way. So characteristic of him. A characteristic that some persons 
some very unfortunate persons criticized, saying he was chosen, but he didn't go. But we have to take into consideration the individual nature of each person, each Vaishnav. Sridhar Maharaj was very much not wanting to be in the limelight, and that is a very good quality. Pratishta is the most difficult thing to transcend. Self-honor. And with the preaching mission, so much honor can come to one. You'll find in Gaudiamat that sometimes the preachers, nowadays there are some coming to the West from different branches of Gaudiamat, disciples of the disciples of Prabhupada. And um, this is this is fairly typical thinking, characteristic. When Bhakti Balabhatirtha Maharaj came on a tour to the West under the inspiration of Srila Bhakti Pramod Purigosami Maharaj the first time, he brought only three, four householder disciples with him. Why? Because he was concerned that if he brought a brahmachari or a sannyasi, they would be affected by pride, by pratishta. I'm the, I've gone to the West and preached. And people came and listened and, and to sort of protect them from that. He brought householders who wouldn't be inclined to think like that because when they come back, they're just householders. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They went to this good day, but they're only householders. Already the sannyasis and brahmacharis are in a more respected type of position as, as renunciates. And so if a householder comes back and having gone to the West, he's not going to be affected by pride and be able to and abuse that and so forth. So the fact that Sridhar Marsh had no interest in going is evidence of his self-abnegation, his lack of pratishta. wasn't at all interested in being in the forefront. He told Saraswati Thakur that, first of all, he said, it's not my nature to be in the front. And I'm backward pushing as my disposition. And secondly, uh, the English language, I do not understand the intonation so well. And there are others amongst us, senior to me, speaking better English. So it might be a better choice to send them, he suggested. And furthermore, from a more, uh, use more internal still. I don't know if he said it or he expressed it to us. I think he told it to Bhaktisiddhanta Sosri Thakur that the time is short in your company. And I want to spend all of the time that I can directly in your company. Bhaktisiddhanta Sosri Thakur heard that and he said, all right, you stay with me. <laughs> in other words, if he had gone to London, he would have, Prabhupada was still here. How long Prabhupada would be in the world? And it proved to be accurate. Time was short. Bhaktisiddhanta Sosri Thakur left the world at 65 or 66, something like that. 1937, just at the end of 1936, December or January, depending on the, the lunar calendar, his date falls, the date of his disappearance. So Sridhar Marsh wanted to keep his company. Not a bad thing. He could. T- he's the kind of person that could take advantage of it. But he said, if you order, I will go. So very nicely he made some points in opposition to Gurudev, and we should learn from this, because you're all very fond of advising me. Um, but he did it with, a, and I seek that advice also, but he did it in, in a very appropriate way. 
I don't think this would be best, and these are the reasons, but if you see otherwise, then I will proceed accordingly. And then he chose Okisaranga Gosami Maharaj to go first, and later Bon Maharaj went, and so on. But my point is that Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka wanted to showcase Sridhar Maharaj to the world. And our Guru Maharaj, J.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, following in that desire and uh, insight of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka, also wanted to do that. After the departure of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka and some differences in Gaudiya Math and its kind of breakup in terms of its being one institution, Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami wanted to form a mission that he would be the organizer of primarily and Sridhar would be the Acharya. And still Sridhar refused, wanted to be in the background. Uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Sastitaka told our Guru Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to try to bring Sridhar Maharaj out. So he would repeatedly do that, try to bring him out for preaching, bring him out for preaching. In the last meeting they had, before that one time he had asked Sridhar Maharaj to be the president of ISKCON. And the last meeting they had, if I recall correctly, this was the last meeting, he had gone to the Mat and thinking himself, Prabhupada, that his time was limited, he asked that Sridhar Maharaj would come to Mayapur. At that time we were building a house for Prabhupada and there was a kund, a little pond that was made. And Prabhupada had been living on the was it the second, I think the second floor of the first building in Mayapur. And so we were building, we wanted to build a little house for him, separate and next to the kund. And so he went to Sridhar Maharaj and he said, they are building a house for me and I would like you to come and live in it. We'll make a separate floor for you and we'll make a lift, an elevator, so that you won't have, have any trouble going up and down. And your duties will be <laughs> simply to stay there and speak to my Western disciples, to share your realizations, your insight with them. This is what he asked him. And Sridhar said, I will think about it. And he revealed to us that at the time he thought, oh, he's such a big preacher and he wants me to be involved and he's going all over the world. I can hardly move off of my balcony. I'm not anywhere near as good of health as him. And so it's generous of him to be thinking like this and asking this of me, and he's genuine about it, but it's not likely that I will live longer than him. So he realized by saying that, that Prabhupada was implying, and I may pass away and you will be there Mm -hmm. to oversee them. But Sridhar Maharaj thought, how is it possible? And he used to remark in his later years, as I said, he remained with us up until 93, 1993, that he didn't know why Mahaprabhu was keeping him here. Everybody had gone. So many, Bam Maharaj, and Tirtha Maharaj, and Madhav Maharaj, and uh, Yajubar Maharaj, and Auguru Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, and... He just—he couldn't understand why he was being kept, but we could appreciate why Mahaprabhu was keeping him here, to share his inner wealth with the whole world. And he did it, as I say, in a very indirect way, like the uh, reflective light of the moon, and very cooling and very soothing, very natural. He arose like the moon to make uh, the stars in the sky dim. In other words, there are many, many devotees Western devotees and, and all kind of devotees, Eastern and Western devotees, but he was like the full moon. 
They may have had some light, or they may have been trying to put a light on themselves, even as possible in some instances, but he, without any effort, fulfilled the real idea of what Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami conceived of as the spiritual way that a mission such as his should be succeeded by a self-effulgent acharya, effortlessly. Now, of course, the sun is self-effulgent, but owls close their eyes and don't see it. So even with a self-effulgent acharya, everyone will not recognize, but the thoughtful, those of whose necessity was great, and according to our necessity, our spiritual advancement will will develop. So, for such persons, it was apparent, and I think really beyond that, it's it's quite apparent now to many many people, even who were owls at the time, the very idea of a shiksha guru had no application, practical application in ISKCON, in Prabhupada's movement, because he was a diksha guru, he was a siksha guru. If there was any application, it was. Him. So when the two are combined in one Siksha Diksha, there's not a lot of talk, Siksha Guru, Diksha Guru, just Guru Dave, Vas. But with his disappearance, then the Adi Siksha Guru for the whole international Gaudiya Vaishnav community, Bhakti Raksakchidadeva Goswami Marsh, appeared. And the very concept of the Siksha Guru was addressed by him appropriately in depth with his talks. And nowadays, of course, it's fashionable to have a Siksha Guru. And you, someone will say, yes, I'm a disciple of so-and-so, Siksha disciple of such-and-such. Such. In those days, it was very, very, um, well, it was so unheard of that it was practically a heresy to have a Siksha guru, other than Prabhupada, if you were Prabhupada's disciple. It was so misunderstood, the concept. It was like you rejected one guru to have another guru. So this is obviously an important principle of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And Sridhar Maharaj was the person who, in really in a practical sense, in the practical realm, introduced this concept to the international Gaudiya Vaishnav community, a great contribution. So Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, ultimately did showcase Sridhar Maharaj to the whole world because it was he who opened the door for his disciples to go and associate with them by the various statements he made over the years, if we look at the record, and of course the final statement that he made about him, which was for philosophy, after my departure, you can see Bhyashridhar Maharaj of Navadweep. I was there, excuse me, I was there when, when Prabhupada said that to Krishna Goswami Maharaj, he asked Prabhupada, that in the event that you should pass from the wor- world, which was imminent, how will we performed the funeral rites. He hadn't written anything about that. He was our only source of information about anything, how to do anything. I mean anything. <laughs> Even <laughs> practically basic hygiene, material habits, and so forth. He became our father in every, every sense. And that's just a testament to how compelling he was, Prabhupada, how attractive he was, how charming he was. But... Um, at the time when he was asked, he said, you can see uh, Narayan Maharaj of Mathura for that. So then Tamal Krishna Maharaj asked, is there anyone else we can see after your departure? And then Prabhupada said, for philosophy, it means for Siddhanta, for Tattva, be our Sridhar Maharaj of Navadvip, whom he had sent, his disciple, Achyutananda, 
Maharaj when he was in India alone for some time and Prabhupada was preaching in the West. When he sought some association, Prabhupada said, you can go to my God, Brother Shira Maharaj of Navadvip. He will be a competent Siksha Guru for you. What to speak of you? He's a Siksha Guru for me. So, again, Prabhupada had great regard for him and it was Prabhupada who really showcased him to the world. Of course, Prabhupada did criticize Sridhar Maharaj at one point too and that's the letter that that gets the most circulation, famous letter to Rupanuga. One godbrother of mine who was affiliated with Srila Sridhar Maharaj in a prominent way was asked about that letter. He said, yes, let's break it down word for word and go through it and analyze it. First word, dear. Second word, Rupanuga. Now, what is the meaning of Rupanuga? We shall have to consider this in depth. And of course, Sridhar Marsh had given great insight into that matter, more so overtly, at least in his preaching, directly in his preaching than Prabhupada had in his volumes and volumes of books. He spoke specifically about Rupanuga Siddhanta and, and, and so forth. And so, his point being, Shidamarj, let's consider who he is first of all, who Prabhupada is. If they criticize one another, that's one thing. But that we are to criticize Shidamarj, that is another thing. When Shidamarj was read that letter, we read the letter to him, some of us, he laughed and he said, Swami Maharaj, such a friend. He said, didn't he even spare me in his criticism. And we were so close. <laughs> As Prabhupada was, in his preaching, was critical sometimes of others. He apologized for that at the end. And those who were godbrothers who came to see him said, no, 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 you have, whatever you've done, you've done for the preaching of Mahaprabhu and Guru Maharaj, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur. There's no offense there. So those things are to be taken and seen in context. They're not, they're not to make a book out of, out of that, a book of Aparat out of that. Overall, if we look at the relationship between Srila Prabhupada and Srila Maharaj, we find one very endearing, one in which Prabhupada had great regard for Sridhar Maharaj and one in which Sridhar Maharaj had great regard for Sami Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada as well. And so it was Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Sami, who did ultimately showcase Sridhar Maharaj to the world. There is not a thing that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur suggested to him in the few words that he exchanged with his disciple that Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami did not fulfill, and this is one of them. Why should we deny him of a perfect record? He suggested to him, you tried to bring out Sridhar Maharaj for preaching, and he did it. He did it. If we, if we say he didn't do it, he was a, he's not like Prabhupada. They're different. We shouldn't hear <laughs> from Sridhar Maharaj. And so we deny Prabhupada of fulfilling one of the things that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur directly asked him to do. Prabhupada used to pride himself in making even the suggestions of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur as out to be orders from him and seeing that, that he did his level best, gave his life to fulfill them. Yasyat Prashada, Bhagavad Prashada, Yasyat Prashada, Nagati Kutupi. So he fulfilled this desire of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and it was a personal desire of his own as well because he had some realization as to the insight of his Guru Maharaj about the character and quality of Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And Sridhar Maharaj was quick to say, Swami Maharaj always wanted to bring me out. My Guru Maharaj wanted to bring me out. He asked Swami Maharaj to bring me out. He would repeatedly try. And now, even after his departure, 
he's still doing that and he's successful. Mm-hmm. He brought the Western world of Vaishnavas to his humble veranda. And of course, Prabhupada willed the money to complete the Nath Mandir of Srila Sridhar Maharaj at Chaitanya Saraswat Mat. So we are very much indebted to him. In a humble way, we published this Kirtan Manjusha as a glorification of Srila Sridhar Maharaj to take some of his original Sanskrit compositions and make them available to the devotional community. And, of course, before we did so informed our society, other books had been printed by the uh, what was then called the Krishna Consciousness Movement, founded by Bhakti Sudhir Vasami Maharaj, his Shibhuranus uh, Grace, the uh, Loving Search for the Lost Servant, uh, Search for Sri Krishna, Golden Volcano. These were the primary contributions, and there was one that I paid for the printing of from our society, which was the Subjective Evolution of Consciousness. And still now, today, other... Uh, the direct mission, uh, well, the Bhakti, uh, Bhakti Ananda Sagar published the uh, two volumes of the Sermons of the Guardian of Devotion, talks of Sridhar Maharaj, and uh, Sripad Bhakti Gauravanar Shingamarsh has now published the uh, Follow the Angels, and I think they have another book in the works, all from the talks of Sridhar Maharaj. So, so many books have come out before and after this one. This is one small contribution that we made. And as I say, we were connected with Srila Sridhar Maharaj in the very latter part of his manifest pastimes as an acharya and disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But there's a wealth of spiritual insight to be gathered from his entire life as well. Although I would uh, have to say that in those latter years, probably more came out in a condensed form for the benefit of others, due to the necessity of those at his feet, primarily disciples of Srila Prabhupada, than in the balance of his life. But I want to try to talk something about the balance of his life as well, not without prefacing it with some discussion, as I have been, about his the times in which we came in touch with him, which were times of great necessity and thus gave rise to drawing everything out that was within him because, as I mentioned, he was backward pushing, so he kept many things inside himself. And some of the things that he spoke about were, in those last years, were things that his own disciples had not heard before, ever, who had been with him for 40 years. So a great wealth came at that time, and that was, again, the influence of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada through, and directly through his disciples, the necessity he created in them by his leaving the world and opening the door, directing them to Srila Siddhar Maharaj. So this is what he's most known for, these latter years, the Siksha Guru of the disciples of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the natural Siksha Guru and successor, and he himself, of course, gave the idea that the succession moves in a zigzag way. He gave the example of the Ganges moving down the uh, Himalayas in a zigzag way because the other sector of the Gaudias are fond of stressing the straight line of Diksha Guru Parampara 
And while we have that, we tend to stress to draw the line in a crooked way or in a zigzag way by drawing the line to the most prominent devotees in the succession. So although Sridharmash was senior to Prabhupada and and had his own formal mission in terms of the wider community, he was the successor to Srila Prabhupada's mission. So in a zigzag way, <laughs> we have to follow it. Krishna says, I'm over here, we'll go there. Then he says, now I'm over here, we have to run on, onto that side. So this is what he's known for. And as I say, although some persons at the time of his appearance on the Vaishnav world, international Vaishnav horizon, didn't recognize him for various reasons, I think that it's come to pass that most people, most devotees, even from those days, who for various reasons were led to believe that he wasn't what he is and what we're saying he he is today, have come to appreciate. One of my god-brothers, Sri Padjaya Dwaita Swami, is a good example. He didn't exactly, to be generous, he didn't exactly come to Sridhar Maharaj's lotus feet in those early days. But in recent times, I got to their Sripad Bhakti Gaurabhanada Shingamaras, who has a moth in South India, close to Mysore, was in Mysore, and he heard from a devotee that Dwaita Swami was also in Mysore at some hotel or something, for some reason of seva. And he got his phone number and called him on the cell phone. And he said, Jayadrita Swami, yes, hello, this is Nishingamarsh. Oh, hello. Uh, He said, I'm just sitting here reading your book, Follow the Angels. And he said, I haven't seen you in so long. He said, well, you're going to see me, this is the characteristic of Nishingamarsh, you're going to see me in about five minutes because I'm on my way over there right now. (laughs) 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 Haribo. So he came over to see him. And then then Jayadrita Swami, who's a very learned person, very soft-natured person also. He said, you you are very fortunate that you got the association of Srila Sridhar He said, we are very unfortunate. He said he was reading the book and he was so charmed by the talks of Sridhar in particular about Gadadhar Pandit. How Sridhar spoke very poetically and profoundly and beautifully and accurately about the ontological position of Gadadhar Pandit. He said that Prabhupada never spoke too much about Kanada Pandit, and I'm finding this so endearing, so deep and enlivening, and so charming, so profound. He said, you are very fortunate to have had his association. We are very unfortunate. He was speaking of the ISKCON Society, which he's still a member of, to not have taken advantage. But then he said, but by the grace of devotees like yourself, he told Mishra Marshall, we're publishing these books, we're also now able to take advantage to some extent. So, this is a good example of what I'm talking about. Srila Siddhar Marsh is known throughout the world as a great Vaishnava and respected in all quarters. And he's the Adi Siksha Guru for the international community that was spawned by Srila Yasi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. His book should be read and read again and studied and his life should be examined so that we can gather great inspiration for our life. His life as not only as a Paramhamsa, overtly in the latter years manifesting that realization, that position, but also as his life where he appeared more as a sadhaka, and even before 
joining the mission, a glorious life. He was the first son of Sri uh, Upendra Chandra, I believe his name was, and Sri Gauri Devi, his good wife. They were Bhattacharjas, family Bhattacharjas, means they were Paka Brahmins. They were, however, his father was very much in a Smarta Brahman family lineage. The Smarta Brahmins hated Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 